Janet Maslin of the New York Times said this movie had no real competition as that season's reigning fairy tale. TV Guide called it a gentle and effective heart tucker. And Time Out called it sci-fi with a heart, albeit one made entirely of cheese. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we determine the fate of Cocoon. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. Greetings, John. Greetings, Dan. Not that you aren't a starfighter, John. You know, I like to think of myself as a bit of a starfighter, you know, from time to time. You and I I are both starfighters. We're really greeting our fellow starfighters. I mean, I have been branded with the sign of the starfighter. (laughs) That's true. If anyone I am a man of Rylos. Or a defender of a defender of, a defender of, of the frontier. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That code and armada better get out of our face. Oh, yeah. Though they are a force to be reckoned with. Zor, get out of here. Zor, unfortunately, was the weak link. The uh, the intergalactic Donald Trump Jr. Or more like the Eric Trump. <laughs> Zor is probably the Eric Trump, right? He's the Eric Trump. That makes me think, all right, I know we're not talking about The Last Starfighter, but that makes me wonder, is there a junior, is there an Ivanka? Is there like a Zurus out there? Like, did the Chancellor Do we also need to do have, another Last Starfighter episode and and revisit this did we need, concept? Did we need to do one? <laughs> do, we need, do we need to do many more is maybe even a better question. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> no, no. I, I wanted to mention a few things that have come up in the remake news department. The internet has been abuzz with chatter of Chris Evans stepping in to play the dentist character in the Little Shop of Horrors uh, remake, re-adaptation, redo, whatever you would want to call it. I would say if it's if it's a musical, which it sounds like it is, then I... I would suggest it's a readaptation yeah. of the stage play because why would you try to remake yeah. a, a Frank Oz original? How do you feel about that type of casting? I was hoping you'd ask, John. Yeah, I am I will say cautiously optimistic. I am on a I'm in a Chris Evans. I wouldn't call it a Chris Evans phase right now. But I think right now he's having a moment. He's kind. He kind of. He came off of the Avengers franchise and like right into Knives Out, mm-hmm. and he's doing interesting things. And well, yeah, we know he can do comedy. Yes, he was wonderful in Scott Pilgrim. Yes, his his character in Knives Out, of course has very funny elements to is in honestly captain america uh he is able to pull some comedy out of such a serious kind of superhero character a pretty dry character that character does not necessarily start the franchise in my opinion in the most exciting of ways right 
I much favor Winter Soldier over First Avenger. I watched Winter Soldier last night. Wow. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's always on the back of my mind as something to go back and rewatch. So I never, I didn't like it when I first saw it. And then I went to go revisit it last night just to see if I would like it anymore. And I, I don't know, just not crazy about that one. Yeah, but that's okay. I did not. I did not see it in the theater. I saw First Avenger. You in, did in the not theater. see it in the theater. Oh, because there's Nazis in it. Well, yes. Well, yes. not in Winter Soldier. Well, actually, not yeah, there Winter is. Soldier. There is. Well, there is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. More so in First Avenger. There's that one Nazi scientist that becomes the Hydra tech. The thing. tech guy. He becomes the computer. Hydra's... Okay. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They're all kind of a blur to me, uh, the ones that I've seen. But yes, I agree. He brought some humor to that role, and I did not think that was going to be possible. Yeah. So, yeah. Agreed. Chris Evans, I am cautiously optimistic about playing the dentist. Of course, and of course, he's going to do it different. The elephant in the room, Steve Martin. Yeah. Excuse me, sir. You can't go in there right now. Relax. You want some nitrous oxide? Okay. Suit yourself. <laughs> We're closed. Oh, it's all right, Seymour. This is my date, my boyfriend, and Seymour Orin Squivello. Oh, DPS. Hey! I know you. Sure, I saw you on the news. I even know your name. Now, let's see. It's, uh... Cecil. No, no, no. It's, uh, Cedric. No. Give me a chance. It's, uh, <clears throat> Simon? It's Cedric. Somebody talking to you? Oh, no. Excuse me. Excuse me what? Excuse me, doctor. That's better. He's, I feel like at least Chris Evans is going to take that into a much different direction. I think, you know, you mentioned Scott Pilgrim. That's, right. I feel like maybe this performance is going to be closer to that in, yeah. in tone. Oh my God. Hey, the only thing keeping me and her apart are the two minutes it's going to take to kick your ass. You dated a famous guy? In ninth grade, we had drama. Actually, it might've been math. I just remember there being a lot of drama. Hey! It was a snot-nosed little brat. He just followed me around. It's snot in his nose? But he's famous. Hey! I'm talking to you, Scott Pilgrim. He's famous and he talked to me. The only thing keeping me and her apart is the two minutes it's gonna take to kick your ass. Can I have your... Can I have your autograph, please? What's up? How's life? He seems nice. Like, less less comically exaggerated maybe i don't know mm -hmm. but we'll just have to you know, wait he's see. definitely he's not going to be steve martin uh so do you think they're gonna get anyone like so i will talk about it another time but one of the great things about the original uh the 1986 film is all are all the cameos all the great right. cameos in it christopher guest john candy uh the list goes on and on and i I wonder if there will be that same tactic with this one. And I wonder if they'll, if they'll like who they'll try to get 
to cameo in well in the as remake. we've established the readaptation as we established a few episodes ago moranis is back baby will oh, we see yeah. rick but, moranis so but not only is moranis back but important to note moranis is back and not against revisiting the franchises that right. he's been a part of this is true he's coming back with honey i shrunk the kids will we see in a, a new my boo heaven <gasps> remains to be seen Oh, the other I, piece of news that I wanted to mention thought. is something that I just saw uh, just before we recorded. We are recording this on the evening of the 26th. So uh, quite a ways away from when this comes out. But um, I saw that uh, it was announced that No Time to Die, the new Bond movie, is clocking in at around 163 minutes, making it the longest Bond movie to date. I have mentioned on this podcast before that when it comes to movies, I'm a I want to get the most for my money kind of person, and I do not mind long movies. Uh, Dan, how do you feel about something like this? I, I mean, honestly, Bond movies have always felt pretty so, long to me. It depends on the Bond movie, I, okay. I would say. Um, so, yeah, and I read this. I read this as well, and I thought, well, first of all, if this is Daniel Craig's swan song as Bond, right. Then maybe I don't mind because I have really enjoyed his run. I'm just I'm a Daniel Craig fan and his run as Bond has just yeah, not all the films have been amazing, but like Casino Royale, such an awesome introduction Mm -hmm. to this new version of the character. I mean, you talk about reboots, that's just one of the that is a classic reboot right and there, mods mickelson the crying oh. blood is so good yeah yeah great bond now, villain it when you pair it with quantum of solace it's like quantum of solace makes a a good footnote or epilogue to casino royale it, it, it's not one of those bond movies that stands on its own and i don't know i, I enjoyed it when i saw it yeah i watched it pretty recently and the villain doesn't feel very Bond villainy, which I think was one of the yeah. perks behind it in the first place. But then it was like, yeah, it's kind of better when they're monsters. And, you yeah. know, like there's something about them that's like really messed up. And he was just, you know, morally bankrupt. Well, but not and, fiscally. But, yeah, but I mean, and then there's Skyfall. Brilliant. Javier Bardem. I love Skyfall. It's amazing. It could be my favorite all-time Bond movie. Like, I would need a serious rewatch of, like, maybe my top five. Mm-hmm. But, man, Skyfall is just... It, it, like, talk about a Bond movie that I wouldn't have minded if that was another 20 minutes. Uh-huh. So good. So, uh, yeah, Spectre, eh, not so much. It was fun seeing Dave Bautista as a as a kind of Bond villain. Thug. Thug, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 there were some there were some nice things about it, but I'm I'm excited for No Time to Die. I have faith in the director, mm-hmm. and you know what? Let's let's see what happens. I mean, it's if it's Daniel Craig's send off, they're not going to screw it up. Yeah. So I, John, I have faith. I don't know. I, I have mean, faith too. You, I, you have faith I, too. I, I'm Great. looking forward to it. Uh, you have a bit of news you wanted to talk about. I saw some news. I I saw, and I I don't 
have like much confirmation of this, but I I saw that apparently Steven Spielberg will not be directing the next Indiana Jones film. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my that was kind of my response to it and yeah. You did but, it. You've done them. Yeah. We're good. But that's yeah. what wasn't that originally what was going to happen with the fourth one and then he it like got held back long enough that he all of a sudden became available again. I don't think yeah, we talked about this so. a while back, but yeah, we did. We did. We yeah. did. So anyway, I have a, so I have before we, I guess this kind of segues into our, I do have some movie. and one more things to go over. Oh, do you want yes. me to do that first? Yeah, of course. So, uh, in our segment and one more thing, we talk about our our last episode and some things that we uh, failed to mention or things that came to mind after we recorded. So uh, first, I wanted to mention Tim Burton did not direct A Nightmare Before Christmas. That's something that came up when we were talking about Tim Burton, Danny Elfman pairings. He was a producer, but was, you know, and it's certainly very Tim Burton-y, but uh, not a Tim Burton film. So... We know for anybody who's uh, furious at us. Another thing I wanted to mention is how Joe Manganiello in Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Well, so we were talking about how the Pee-wee character and the people who are in a lot of his movies are like children. Pee-wee is like a child. The things are referenced in Francis is like a big child. The words used to describe things are as if a child was telling them, specifically the Large Marge segment. And Joe Manganiello, after he meets Pee-wee and becomes friends with Pee-wee, he kind of regresses back to kind of a childlike state. He's sulking in his room because his best friend isn't coming to his birthday party. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of like he's caught the Pee-wee disease. Yeah, he well, has they... he has eaten the uh, the magical potion from Peewee's uh, from Big Top Peewee, and he has he's become a child. The, he's eaten the hot dog. He yeah. ate the hot dog. So it's funny because yeah, actually that does show a little bit more of a connective thread with Big Top Peewee when you yeah. when you think of it in terms of that that's what these and I guess that's the effect that's supposed to be the effect on the audience. Yeah, bringing you back to childhood, right? Yeah, I mean that's totally what I mean. We talked about it. <laughs> And one other thing about Big Top Pee-wee is when we were talking about Vance the Pig, we failed to mention that Vance is voiced by Wayne White, the art director from Pee-wee's Playhouse, who we talked about, who's an incredible artist, uh, visual artist now. So, uh, unfortunately, the gallery show that we were talking about on the last episode ended right before that episode came out. So... That's too bad. Hopefully, uh, it shows up in other cities. That would be really cool. It was in New York, though. Yeah. So, Vance the Pig. Uh, So, Dan, you wanted to talk about something. Well, so, uh, in this episode, we'll be talking about Ron Howard's Cocoon, and then Cocoon the Return, which Ron Howard had nothing to do with. Wait, hold on Um, one second. I was going to have a great segue. Oh, Okay, so... But it can connect with what you're saying right now. So let's see if you can kind of feed off of this line. So enough about Vance the pig, and let's talk more about Rance the Howard. Go on, Dan. (laughs) 
Ah, yes. Rance Howard um, makes a brief cameo appearance in Cocoon. Go on. Yes, a- absolutely. Uh, Clint Howard uh, in it as well. Well, that's so a full role. Rance just kind of is there at the yeah. end, more of like an extra. He's a cop. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. do anything. So, so yeah. So, Cocoon, uh, you know, one of the themes of Cocoon is aging and, you know, kind of rediscovering or tr- like looking, trying to find that last gasp of youth. And they should eat those uh, hot dogs. <laughs> Seriously, where, where was Pee- where was Pee Wee when we need? Actually, he was on his big adventure while <laughs> the cocoons were cocooning, and uh, and then he was under the big top when Cocoon re- returned in 1988. So coincidental that the that anyway the years. Anyway, what I'm saying is, I'm 42, almost 42 and a half, and. Um, you know, I, I'm in, I'm in good health, decent health. I'm not in the best shape in the world. Uh, so I was riding my bike today. I, I, I finished work. I came home and it was still, uh, my daughter was not home from school yet. And it was really nice out. And I don't know what the temperature was, but it felt warm. It was sunny. And I took my bike. It was a perfect opportunity for a bike ride. And I plugged in my earbuds and strapped on my helmet and hopped on my bike. And where we live, so those of you not familiar with the geography of Seattle, it's it's a very hilly and mountainous area. I mean, you know, we're between mountain ranges. And... You know, most roads eventually have a, you know, incline or decline, depending on where you're coming from. And we live, uh, I I guess, more towards the top of a hill, because when I take my bike out, it's pretty much a downhill ride in every direction, which means it's an uphill ride coming (laughs) back. And I was I was coming back and I was and I've I've kind of I found the right road so that I I am riding up the least steep hills, the shallowest hills, I suppose. Uh and I was I was riding uphill. I was riding up, you know, what was going to be my big my big challenge hill and you know, I had my my gears shifted down and I'm pedaling, I'm I'm pedaling, you know, my heart my heart's pumping and I start to smell burnt toast i started to smell and it's and i'm riding and i'm like i smell burnt toast (laughs) oh i wonder if i'm gonna have a stroke shit i'm 42 years old Mm -hmm. i could potentially have a stroke i better get off my bike so i get off my bike and i and meanwhile i look to my right and i'm right next to a supermarket and i'm really hoping that where i'm walking past because this is a supermarket i don't think i've ever been in before it's not that close to my house and I, so I was like, I really hope that they are burning bread yeah. in the supermarket. And that's what I'm smelling. And that if there was somebody else nearby me and I asked them, they would smell it too. There was nobody else passing by. I probably would have asked them if they uh-huh. smelled. Like, do you smell burnt toast? Oh, good. So, yeah. And as I walked my bike up the hill, the smell faded away mm. and I was like okay did the smell fade away because I got off my bike and saved myself from having a stroke or 
is it because I walked away from the supermarket and I concluded the latter. But okay, um, yeah. So just another reminder that you know we we all gotta think about how our bodies change as they age. That's right, and and remember that cocoon is science fiction. Yes, that's true. Uh, <laughs> Ain't well, no magic fountain of youth near me. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll just launch into a bit of a synopsis about Cocoon uh, from 1985, directed by Ron Howard. A group of mischievous old-timers break into a private pool that seems to de-age them to the point that cancers go into remission, they can break dance, and even get boners again. And this has to do with the mysterious cocoons that lay on the bottom of the of each of the pool. These cocoons are being excavated by a group of wealthy visitors who are renting the property on which the pool exists. They are also renting a boat and its captain for about a month to go to a designated area off the coast of Florida where they are excavating these cocoons. The boat's captain, Jack, is excited at the chance to make some money and also get close to one of his clients, Kitty. What Jack, as well as the old-timers, find out is that these wealthy visitors are actually aliens from the planet Ontaria, and they have an out- they had an outpost on Earth about 11,000 years ago, and have come back to recover 20 cocoons containing comrades that were left behind many, many centuries earlier. Things go awry when the folks at the neighboring retirement community catch wind of this fountain of youth and go hog-wild damaging the cocoons and soaking up all of their life-giving properties. This is troublesome for Walter, the main Antarian, but the friendships he formed with Art, Ben, and Joe, the old-timers he allowed to use the pool, gave him a new idea. Once, Well, it's actually, I think, Jack's idea, but or one of the other old-timers' ideas. And once the cocoons were relocated back into the ocean until they can regain their powers... About 30 of the residents of the retirement community are invited to join Walter on his voyage back to Antaria, where they can all live forever. And just to give you a little rundown of the uh, key players in the cast, Brian Dennehy plays Walter. Don Amici, Wilford Brimley, and Hume Cronin play Art, Ben, and Joe, respectively. Their female counterparts are played by Gwen Verdon, Maureen Stapleton, and Jessica Tandy, respectively. Steve Gutenberg plays Jack, and Tani Welch plays Kitty, Raquel Welch's daughter. Uh, so there you have it. There are certainly plenty of other characters and lots of other things that go on. Uh, certainly worth mentioning, but just to breeze through the the plot, I think that'll do it. Anything you well, want to add? Uh, well, and just to speak of the notable cast members, uh, David, who's Joe's, uh, Joe's grandson, yes is played by Barrett Oliver, who had just come off of starring in Never Ending Story. That's right. So, um, and he's, you know, he spends all his time there. His parents are are recently divorced. And so, the, like, you know, these people are the only friends that he has. Yeah, he's a big fan yeah. of uh, his grandfather, uh, Ben, who's played by Wilford Brimley. Uh, you know, he's oh, with right, him all right. the time. They go fishing together. And there's a moment towards the beginning where, what's his name, David? Yeah. Where David is talking about how, like, you know, he doesn't connect with anybody at school and he doesn't have any friends. And, like, his only friend really is Ben. And, you know, it's like he's got these parents who are freshly divorced. And clearly things are pretty complicated for him. And, uh, 
very difficult. There's there's a lot more to it with that character than we're seeing. I mean, the movie actually begins with his character looking through mm-hmm. a, a telescope in his bedroom. So mm-hmm. you would think that he would have more of a role in this, but it's really just the end where he becomes more of a key factor. <laughs> yeah, he kind of disappears from the movie for for a good while. Like act two. Yeah. David David's off for act two. Yeah, while Art, Ben, and Joe are breakdancing and uh, having sex with Jessica Tandy. Oh, man. Then, oh, uh, yeah. You know. Wow. Um, yeah, that scene, Donna Michi breakdancing. <laughs> that uh, was pretty awesome. Uh, Hume Cronin Os- getting roid rage. <laughs> I will say Oscar winner Donna Michi. Yes, that's right. He won, won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Uh, for that, and I don't know about you, John, but whenever Gwen Verdon was on screen, I just kept oh thinking God. Michelle Williams. <laughs> yeah, well, as far as Gwen Verdon goes, this was the only time I've watched something with her in it where I've been aware more of the background of the actress, and you know, having watched Fosse Verdon, learned a lot about her background, and. I mean, I've watched some interviews and things like that with her, but it wasn't until I watched this where I was like, oh, that's that's her doing her thing. Yeah. So it was nice to see Gwen Verdon doing the Gwen Verdon thing. And uh, yeah. always good to see Jessica Tandy. I mean, yeah, Hume Cronin, Jessica Tandy married in real life. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you never knew that? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's batteries not included. This was kind of like, I don't know that they necessarily had a run together Uh like this, like back in the old days. But then I think after Cocoon, it was like, oh, yeah, let's put like he wasn't in Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. Or um, or Fried Green. She was in Fried Green Tomatoes. And then Mm -hmm. I think the his last movie was uh marvin's room ah okay i think yeah well they're all great they're they're really wonderful in this movie i actually i don't remember if i've ever seen this movie or if i have i certainly have forgotten about it it is so it's great it's so good i know it's so much fun it doesn't seem like it it totally holds up it it totally Absolutely, 100% agree. Brian Dennehy is fantastic. And yes. what I really appreciate about Brian Dennehy and Tani Welch is that they play aliens, but they're very kind. They are very understanding of their circumstance for the other people, extremely empathetic. And they have this resolution where it's like, it didn't work out the way that they wanted it to, but they didn't get bent out of shape about it. They came up with another solution and were okay with it. And the the calmness that Brian Dennehy had playing the role of that main Ontarian, uh, yeah. it really sells it. it and he, he does such a great job. It's It's nice to see him doing that kind of thing where it's, you know, staying collected and and giving back. And I think it's a credit to the writers to make sure that they remembered, like, this is an advanced species. Yeah. They have been traveling, you know, interdimensionally 
for you know ages yeah oh yeah and, centuries and so like yeah th- this is an advanced species so therefore they should behave like an advanced species they under they understand humans enough to mimic their behavior but it's like they're not going to stoop they're not quite going to stoop to the level that humans will because right. humans are not as civilized yeah or as and advanced talk about advanced they no are offense. wearing skin suits human skin suits over their humanoid glowing bodies which yeah it was 1985 not bad for 1985 not bad and for 1985 not bad for 2020 to be honest seriously not like not terrible you've seen a whole lot worse I mean, with with over cgiing things exactly john yeah. 2020 it would be too much yeah it would be too much yeah it would so, be all 3d and you'd have like light bouncing around you'd be like oh there's an antarian right in front of me <laughs> yeah and uh, be like uh, captain eo except it wouldn't be michael jackson reaching out to touch you so <laughs> yeah it'd be steve gutenberg no he wouldn't he hey. wouldn't be one of those it would be uh Tony Welch, I guess, but Tony Welch <laughs> wouldn't be touching you because, as we learn from her sex scene with Steve Gutenberg, which is bizarre, uh, there's no John. <laughs> contact. It is all through the cosmos. And I feel like there's, in every one of these movies where a human and an alien gets together, there's always the scene where... it. It's almost, it's like liberty. It's like, we can ha- totally have a, like this movie could be PG. We could have a sex scene in here because yeah. no one's going to even touch. They're going to be across the pool from each other. Right. They're going to like, you know, it's going to be like Demolition Man, you know, where exactly. they just put the stuff on. So um, I love, I love that there's always this scene where it's like, yeah, this is how we do it in my world. Like, hey, yeah. just brace yourself. But like no one's going to touch you. Brace yourself for this because this is going to be the freakiest shit you've ever done. But yeah. you're going to be over there. I am going to be all the way over here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it no is STDs. Pretty wild. Right. Well, all, all I'll say is sex is very safe in space, man. Right. Well, but they're in that pool, so hopefully somebody cleaned that pool afterwards. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was before the that was before the old folks had their like Caddyshack party in there. No kidding. They went. They, crazy I was Where in there. was the Kenny Loggins? Like that I, I was just waiting for that Kenny Loggins song that plays when they have like Caddy Day at the pool. Right. Yeah, when you see the old folks in the pool going absolutely crazy and like taking one of the cocoons and bashing it against like the corner of the pool, it's like what are you doing? Oh. Yeah, I yeah that was that was Not a cool. little crazy. Like it took Hume Cronin a few dips to get there before he right. started like beating the shit out of orderlies. And right, oh yeah, yeah. So, and, like gotta say, Bernie, Don Amici, and Hume Cronin look pretty good for their age. They do. Well, did you know Hume Cronin was a uh was a boxer. He had been a Golden was Gloves he boxer. Really? See, I'm learning all these and things about Hume Cronin right now. So, and he, so Hume Cronin, and he had been hit one time and he lost the vision, I think, in his left eye. Mm. So his depth perception is off. So the scene where I forget which of the, which of the orderlies it's either, it's Clint Howard or, or the other actor, uh-huh. but or when he hit one. him, he knocked him out. Did legit. he really? 
<laughs> legit Hume Cronin knocked oh his God. ass out. Wonderful. I, and Don Amici breakdancing. Yes. I know we've talked about it once before, but good gravy. That was um, fun. I, I would like to also compliment the the editing work done with stunt doubles. Yeah. Bringing in... I, when they're doing like the flips off the diving board, and I'm like, "There's no way Hume Cronin is is doing like whatever right. a 360," and but it, it it's pretty seamless. I'm like, "Okay, like you know, there goes Wilford Brimley going like spinning through the air." Yeah. Now on the subject of Wilford Brimley, he was quite a bit younger than his castmates in the retirement home, and it is become quite a big thing about how old he was when Cocoon came out versus the ages of other or other actors of that age who certainly could not pull off playing somebody in a retirement community. And there is a Twitter account called Brimley Cocoon Line. It's at Brimley Line. And the bio of uh, Brimley Cocoon Line is, when Cocoon reached theaters on June 21st, 1985, Wilford Brimley was 18,530 days old. This account makes note of people who have reached that age. It is very, it's it's amazing. They post things absolutely every day. Recently, they went through all of the uh, Democratic nominees who are still in the running and made note of when each of them crossed the line and what song was number one on the charts that day. And made note that Pete Buttigieg will cross the line on October 13th, 2032. So, uh, yeah, so just looking at some Michael Bloomberg crossed the line on November 8th, 1992. You'd be listening to this one around that time, and it's Boys to Men, End of the Road. Um, Just scrolling down to uh, another one. Let's see, we have uh, born June 1st, 1969, actress Terry Polo is 18,530 days old today. That was February 24th, matching Wilford Brimley's age on the day Cocoon was released. Congratulations, Terry Polo, you've reached the Brimley Cocoon line. <laughs> and, and this I, is the kind of thing that... I love that, that account. It's so good. And it's the kind of thing yeah. that, you know, the people who are tweeted about often like retweet it with pride and i believe that wilford brimley has or whoever's doing his social media has been and i can't imagine it's not him i, I don't know it's but not a been, verified account but it sounds like it's him or someone close to him doing it i think so yeah yeah so i don't know um, it's it's a wonderful paul thing. rudd i i remember right. when paul rudd <laughs> that because you wouldn't you wouldn't cast paul rudd in a remake of cocoon <laughs> unless he's playing like the steve gutenberg part i know right yeah but seriously so, but i mean it should be mentioned that wilford brimley was aged to play that role uh right his hair was lightened he had you know liver spots and wrinkles put on him to make him seem more age appropriate yeah, but you know something? That means he was like 45 when he did The Thing. Yeah. Or like 44 or 45 when he did The Thing. Yeah. And I mean, god damn. Wilfred <laughs> Brimley, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Wilfred right. Brimley, I've never met the man, but seems like a really good person, very aware of the significance that he has in pop culture, whether it's this type of thing, uh, the way he says diabetes. Good morning. 
I'm Wilfred Brimley, and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. People know him for things that... Quaker Oats. Quaker, right, Quaker It's the right thing to do. Uh, You know, people think about him for things that, I don't know, a lot of actors might not love being remembered for. And he seems to have a really good outlook on it. I remember it was, I was fascinated. I, I think it was 1993 that Wilford Brimley, like, had a year. And yeah. he was in The Firm uh-huh. that summer. And I, re- I, I think he played, like, one of the, one of the bad guys. I think, I think he was one of, like, the bad lawyers uh-huh. in The Firm. And he was also in the Jean Claude Van Damme starring John Woo movie, Hard Target. It was oh John Woo's first English language movie, and he he was a good guy in that. He but he was a Cajun, and uh-huh. I I, I figured it was that or the firm where like he just like, like he kind of beats the shit out of someone in in a bathroom, and uh, I mean I think he was kind of a badass in both. But I remember just thinking like, damn, Wilford Brimley is just yeah. <laughs> uh, one year before wow. Cocoon, he was in The Natural. He, you know, he had a nice long run. Right. Yeah. Uh, on TV in Our House. Okay. He was the, I I want to say he was the grandfather in Our House, which was a, um, it was an hour long drama. It starred, uh, it was about a, a family that had a child who had uh, Down syndrome, who was played by an actor who had Down oh. syndrome. Yeah, and the, the character the character's name was Corky. I remember that. Oh, I th- wait. No, you're thinking mind. of life goes I, on. I am totally thinking of life goes on. I'm so sorry. So our house was wow. All right. Um. So our house was on from 1986 to 1988, and it was following the death of his son. Gus Witherspoon takes in the, his daughter-in-law and his three grandchildren to live with him. Adjustment to the new arrangement is not easy on any of them so uh and this was this starred uh co-starred shannon doherty chad allen uh let's see who else is of david mendenhall who was in flight of the navigator uh and other things from the mid 80s uh so you know that was yeah so that was what i was thinking of uh wilford brimley was on that show gotcha not life yeah. goes on. Not life goes on. Apologies. Yeah. Apologies. Uh, so let's also take a moment to talk about Cocoon the Return, Cocoon's sequel. Dan, did you, I think you said you might watch Cocoon the Return. I did not watch it again recently. I saw you've it, seen it some time ago. Yes, I have seen it. It does not measure up. It is not like Ron Howard had nothing to do with it. Yeah. I'm just going to read the first paragraph from Wikipedia's synopsis of it. Um, In the first five years after they left, the Antarians returned to Earth to rescue the cocoons that were left behind. Before they can be retrieved, one of the cocoons is discovered by a science research team and taken to a secure laboratory for testing. The aliens and their human allies must find a way to retrieve the cocoon in time for their rendezvous with the rescue ship while the humans traveling with them must decide whether to return to Antaria or stay on Earth and become mortal again. I, and I mean, and it includes yeah. m- much of the original cast. It does uh, add 
Courtney Cox and Elaine Stritch. So there you have it. Not not bad. No. And it's, you know, the cast does a fine job. I'm sure they do. It's just, it doesn't have the wit. I don't remember it having, like, the wit. I don't remember it having the, the life to it. Like, I remember, I, I remember there being a subplot with Bernie, the character played by Jack Guilford, mm-hmm. who, who stays on Earth and... Uh, I forget if the, I I forget if he he might I think he dies in Cocoon: The Return. Uh, he he's so excellent in the first Cocoon, in the oh moment at the end when spoiler his oh. wife dies, and throughout the entire movie he doesn't want to step foot in the pool. He doesn't like what it's doing to everybody. He just is very uncomfortable with this whole situation. But when his wife dies, they have a very like sweet moment in their bedroom. And then you see him carrying her out, taking her to the pool. And it's just, uh, it hit me so hard. It's a really beautiful moment. Very impactful. I, I did not remember that. And when you see him running, with Mm -hmm. her and i mean this is not a man who tries to do much physically he's very much you know he kind of he buys into his his old age and Mm -hmm. he's you know he's cautious about things and to see him just carrying her body and you know that you as the audience know it's it's nothing is going to work it's not right. going to happen and you know and i had it, there was this moment where it was so believable and yeah. yet and yet you know he doesn't spend the rest of the movie regretting and saying i you know i i wish i had brought her to the pool yeah. i wish i had done it Which not necessary. No, I think he did. He did what his character needed to do. Right. And such a powerful moment. And also, this is the first time I've seen it since being married Mm. and having a family, and just thinking and and having you know that that empathy for that character, and and having that like, my God, what the. What does that feel like when you know you are never going to uh, to talk to that person when when he sees when they when they put her in the hearse? Yeah. And it's like this is the last, you know, I'm never going to see you again. And no the finale, I think what it captures so well is the finality of of death and mm-hmm. I mean, and I guess why it's also so uh, appealing for everyone to go with the Antarians. But yeah. also, you totally get why Bernie doesn't. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the only other thing that really is a big plot point uh, is Joe and Joe's uh, straying from... Uh, Jessica Tandy's character, I can't oh. remember her name exactly, but you see him yeah. go off with another woman and when he comes home, like 
she knows. Everybody knows what happened because as we kind of find out, this is a pattern for him. And now that he has this new vitality, he's kind of flaunting it and taking too much advantage of it. And Mm -hmm. luckily, he and Jessica Tandy's character make amends before it's time to... What's that? Alma. Alma. Is her, uh, Jessica Tandy's character. Yeah. Sorry. Couldn't uh, couldn't come up with that one. No, sorry. I, I, internet. Oh, you've got the internet? I have I have a smartphone. Ooh, very cool. So Joe and, and Alma, using it. Uh, Alma takes Joe back and just in time for them to go up with the Antarians to live forever. So, Dan, uh, what would you do with this property if if forced to? Um, I I would say you could almost do, you know, there's always, there could always be more cocoons in other hmm. places. That's true. Right? Yeah. So, you know, there could be cocoons in the Indian Ocean. There could be cocoons in the South Pacific. So you could kind of do a reboot a remake slash sequel. You could certainly do it in the United States and you could do it pretty much any anywhere that's coastal. Uh Uh-huh. So it, it, it could it could take place up here in the Pacific Northwest. It could take place in Southern California. I mean, it would probably make more sense somewhere where you would have, you know, uh more, you know, where you'd have older people, so which is like, you know, Florida Florida made, works. made a great setting. Yeah. And I was thinking I mean, or you could just do a straight up remake that that kind of uh almost disregards the you know, the previous lineage, previous lineage. Uh-huh. And just uh is a straight up remake and I thought when I was thinking of Jack, one name came to mind of who I'd cast, Donald mm. Glover. Really? Yeah, I could yeah. see that. I'm just thinking of the character, what he does, that kind of laid back, wise, wise cracking, horny. Right. And I just I felt like Donald Glover. There's there's a ton of actors who'd be great, but Donald. I could see Donald Glover having a fishing boat for rent in the in like you know whatever in the in Florida, right? And I I was thinking of actors that I that I would love to see. And but before you do that, I just want to say yeah. my thought was really just a straight up remake. So if you want, we can kind of share our ideas of who would be the cast and since we've already touched on jack why don't i give you my my top choices for jack and then we'll move on to some of the other characters i was thinking aquafina oh yeah okay aquafina would be really fun uh another Uh person i was thinking would be channing tatum okay you know kind of like the ditzy jacked guy who you know pretty aloof joe mac joe magnello joe magnello Hard no. to say. No. Hard to say. No. I I I don't know, but I I like the uh, I like the Aquafina route. Yeah. So who would you put? Who? So then who would you? I guess. So would you have the same kind of like romance happen with one of the aliens and 
know. Who would you have? The, yeah. the romance kinda, thing was a little bizarre. A little forced? Yeah. A little forced so we could get the this is how you have sex in my world scene. I mean, it does help when it comes to the discovery or the realization for Jack or the Jack character of who these people really are because he discovers who Kitty really is when he is peeping on her. And he even says to himself, oh my God, I've been reduced to peeping Tom. Uh, peeping mm-hmm. on, like spying on her through a little hole in her cabin and uh, she takes off her clothes and then she takes off her skin. And that was the big reveal. So it does, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of other ways to make that discovery happen that are less horny. Yeah, yeah, true. So, uh, and then, so who do you have as, so did you cast kind of specifically or did you just think, who would you like to see in a remake? I have a list, I have a list of people. Uh, Did you have a Walter? I will just, before we get into the more broad uh, retirement community people andre brower huh i don't you know what john i didn't even i didn't think about it you asked me that was the first like my mind did like a little like Uh you know slot machine thing andre brower my thought was daniel craig he's great hey you know i'm a you know i'm a daniel craig fan this is true this is true so no uh, arguments. did you have specifics for the uh, retirement community folks? No, I just have a bunch of names. Some of them are a bunch of people are, in their 70s. Uh, yeah, well, yes, but I, I tried to just kind of like think, OK, like what combinations mm. would I because this is this is kind of an opportunity to to say, oh, who haven't we see? It's almost like, damn it, I wish they had just done this instead of the Irishman uh, and yeah. just had it like, you know, Pacino, De Niro, Pesci, and like Harvey Martin Cantel. Scorsese's cocoon. Cocoon. Oh boy. <laughs> the Rolling Stones could be in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um so anyway, John, do you why do you want me to run down my list and you can kind of we can we can stop at the crossovers. Sure, go ahead. So I'll, I'll put my hand name, up. When, I'll put my hand up when there's somebody who I have to. Okay, Danny Glover, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> I would not want Clint, Clint Eastwood near this. Probably not. No. How about Tommy Lee Jones? Oh, not on my list, but I like it. Dustin Hoffman. Billy D. Williams, he's back, baby. <laughs> he's back, baby. Rise of Skywalker, and uh, who else did I think of? So I, I put De Niro and Pacino down, though I don't really. That would not be my top choice. Um, uh, 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 Martin Sheen, okay. Louis Gossett Jr., okay. Popped up in Watchmen. Uh, I have Lawrence Fishburne, Gene Hackman, Harrison Ford. Robert Duvall. I think you I don't have down, any of these. No, I don't. It, which is so funny because I think I have like all of the other people in their seventies. Okay, so I have I have Robert Duvall, J- James Caan. Let's get the a Godfather thing going on here. Uh, Bill Nighy. Okay. Nee, Nighy. Nighy. Uh, Warren Beatty. Okay. Brian Dennehy. Oh. 
Why did I think Sam that he Elliott. was? Why did I think that Brian Dennehy was dead? Is it just because he dies in Tommy Boy? I think it's because he dies in Tommy Boy. Yeah, <laughs> you know his brother. His brother was uh, Alicia, my wife. Uh, was her like I think accounting professor in college? Really. And actually, like, did, helped us with our taxes uh, first yeah, couple okay. of years. Yeah, we Brian Dennehy yeah, anyway, still kicking yeah, it. Martin, Martin Dennehy. Uh, so I have Bill Nighy. I have Larry David. <laughs> I have Larry David. You have Larry David. Awesome. I have, uh, is it War- uh, I said Warren Beatty. Uh, I have Sam Elliott. I have Bruce Dern. I have Harvey Keitel. And that, that's it. That's it for the men. Our, I have a list of women only, too. But well, okay. So our only crossover was Larry David, which is funny because that was the first on my list. I, I didn't make my list as long. I tried to keep it as tight as possible. Oh. <laughs> I I have Robert Redford, Elliot Gould, Michael McKeon, and Ed Bigley Jr. Oh yeah, yeah. I man, I don't. I know McKean and Ed Begley Jr. are that old. It doesn't feel like they should be, though. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and yeah, also, no, and also it's like Elliot Wilf- Gould. And also, Wilford Brimley was 49 when he shot Cocoon. Yeah. So, yeah. The rule, throw the rules out the window. You. Wilford Brimley just rewrote the, the whole playbook. Okay. And, right. yeah. So, all right. So, who else do you have? That that's it, that's it for oh, men. Uh, that's yeah, it for well, men. Yeah, you did keep it short. Okay. Um. So I have a a, uh, a list of women here, and the first on my list is Shirley MacLaine. Okay. Lily Lily Tomlin. Okay. Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. Dame Judi Dench. Okay. Carol Burnett. All right. Julie Andrews. <laughs> okay. Sally Field. I, Sally Field is the first on my list. Okay. Uh, I, I, Pam Greer. I thought about Pam Greer, but for some reason I didn't include her. I think, so she's on that show right now. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's with Lake Bell and Dak Shepard where they move to like Nebraska oh, or something. Yeah, it's not know. Funny Farm, but. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So it's like that, but Pam Greer is in it. And it's like, I have seen her act very, very recently. And it's like, I can't imagine her being of retirement home age. Well, you know who I actually, I thought about when I thought about, I I, I was also, uh, because she came up in one of my classes the other day, was Nichelle Nichols. Who's that? I don't know if she would still, from Star Trek, Lieutenant Uhura. Oh, Yeah. Interesting. And I was thinking, I was like, man, I would love to see like someone like that. Not like not because I was thinking of the Star Trek cast and who's left of the original Star Trek cast, which is pretty much William Shatner, George Takei. Actually, mm-hmm. I should have in there. Ooh, George, George Takei. Takei. He'd be great. George Takei. Yeah. George Takei. Yes. Yeah. Put him on the short list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, let's see. Diane. I put Diane Keaton down. Ooh, I uh, put a different Diane down. I also. Lad? Nope. Because uh, I was thinking about her, too. I thought about Felicia Rashad because um, she's come up recently. Yeah, she'd be good. Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn's on my list. Okay. So so who do you have? 
The Diane that I was speaking of is Diane Wiest. Oh. Yeah, I knew you would like that one. Helen Mirren, Meryl Streep, because come on. And Sigourney Weaver and Mia Farrow. Wow. You know what? I Definitely Mia Farrow. I could see Mia Farrow actually in Jessica Tandy's role. I was thinking the same thing. Totally. But, man, there's something about Diane Sigourney Weaver. Diane Weaver could be the Gwen Verdon. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> uh, not the Maureen Stapleton? Eh, I don't know. I, I'd see the, maybe Helen Mirren in the Maureen Stapleton role. Yeah, Who knows? Of, I mean, Helen, this is Helen all Mirren imagi- can do This is all anything. imaginary, so what does it matter? Meryl Streep makes everything better. This is true. I, it was funny. I, I, that actually came up in class today. I am trying to remember how Meryl Streep came up. Not important, but someone asked uh, who Meryl Streep was. I said, she's an actress. She makes everything she's in better. Somebody and she can do asked everything. who Meryl Streep was. Teens these days. Well, and then as soon as, like, if I started running down the titles, I mean, you know, of course, yeah, Kramer versus Kramer, Deer Hunter. You get to Devil Wears Prada. Right. Oh, it was, because, it was because one of my students, I'm having my kids do book blogs instead of keeping physical reading journals. Mm -hmm. So that way they can't ever forget to bring their reading journals. Right. And one of them read Julie and Julia. Mm -hmm. And she, I was, I I was putting, I had her blog up on, on the screen. So, so everyone could see it. Right. And she was, so she, and she had uh, the movie poster. Gotcha. On one of the posts. And, I was like, oh, yeah, and Meryl Streep, and who's Mer- who's that? Said, oh, Meryl Streep is wonderful. Meryl Streep can be whoever she wants to be. Yeah, I was actually just listening to a podcast called Bullseye with the host Jesse Thorne, and it's a it's an NPR NPR distributes it, and he interviews actors, directors, people of note in the entertainment industry, and was interviewing Greta Gerwig. Uh, just as Little Women was coming out. And the whole idea of Meryl Streep came up, and that's essentially what it was, is Meryl that was. Uh, what's that? I used that example. I was like, uh, oh, she's Aunt March. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that, That's what I've got for casting. Who do you have for director? Anybody? Not really. I I I didn't. I really couldn't nail down a specific director for this type uh for this type of movie. I feel like often you know we go to the the auteur the auteurs the like Edgar Wright is yeah. always on the short list and well, you know Denise Villeneuve yeah so but, one thought know, that, do you see? one thought that I had is a director who was originally supposed to direct Cocoon, but was was fired because his previous movies had bombed. And I'm talking about Robert Zemeckis. And this is somebody who we've talked about before, who's very hit or miss. Robert Zemeckis had a movie out in the theater at the same time as Cocoon. That didn't bomb. That shit was called Back to the Future. That's That's true. But that's only he was only given the chance to do Back to the Future, a movie that was rejected by tons of studios at the time. But when because Zemeckis did Romancing the Stone, right? 
Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Romancing so the Stone did not the, test well. It was it didn't test well, but it was successful. And because of the success of that, he was given permission to do Back to the Future. So right. Uh, so Robert Zemeckis was one thought, mostly as a way of like redemption. And now that Robert Zemeckis has had a successful career, not to say they've all been amazing, but they've been interesting. If- I would say if we could get a less tech happy Robert Zemeckis, right? A if we could get the Robert Zemeckis of 1985, that I think that would be a or even the Robert Zemeckis of 1994, a Forrest Gump, right? Era Robert Zemeckis. I think there'd be a lot of potential there. My, I could see a lot of my other of thought for a director, and I would say also for writer would be John Francis Daly, who you might mm. remember from Freaks and Geeks as an actor, as a child, but I love the movie Game Night. It is so good. And it is It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. It's fun to watch. It's funny. It's weird. Why not have somebody like that do cocoon? I would say if someone like John Francis Daly had a had like a nostalgia and affinity for cocoon, then I would really want to see what, what they would do with it. Like I, I kind of, I feel like, I don't know. I think Jonah, like when Jonah Hill did like 21 jump street, uh huh. there was, and I would not expect that type of take on cocoon, but there was kind of a, a, a love for the property there. Right. Yeah. So I would kind of want someone who's like a cocoon fanboy, Right. To do it, kind of like we talked about with Pee Wee, like Paul Rust working with Paul Rubens on Pee Wee's Big Holiday, Paul Rust being the ideal collaborator because that was, you know, his the world that inspired him as as a kid. So yeah, I would totally, I would love. What about Bryce Dallas Howard? What else has she done directing? Episodes of Mandalorian, at least one. Right, I know that. Um, uh, she's directed a couple of shorts. I don't think she's done a feature. Well, this could be her first feature, but keep it in the family. Yeah, right? Why not? Why not? Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> BDH. Sure. Yeah. I'm looking up. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking up to see uh, what she's done. Uh, as yeah. a director, I know she did it. Oh, maybe the third episode of Mandalorian. Uh, she did, I think. A sh- uh, I don't know if it was a shorter feature called Soulmates. Hmm. She did an episode of Call Me Crazy. So yeah, I think she's done like a lot of a lot of shorts, but gotcha. she's she's got experience. Oh yeah, that's true. So, and she might, I, she would potentially have a, a fondness for this movie. This might have been one of the, er, like, earlier movies that she had seen of her father's, it being a little more family-friendly than, be. let's say, even more fr- family-friendly than Splash. That's true. That's absolutely true. Or Night Shift. Night. Oh, for sure. I love Night Shift. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Henry so, Winkler. Yeah, I uh, mean, I suppose Henry if Winkler would be good in Henry Cocoon. Henry Winkler would be great in Cocoon. Oh my God, how do we miss Henry Winkler? 
Oh, and that makes me think of another good uh, Jack, Ben Schwartz. Yes. <laughs> hey, yeah. Currently All in right. theaters as the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, uh, Jean Ralphio. Jean Ralphio. For those of you fans <laughs> of of Parks and Rec. Uh, but yeah, Ben Ben Schwartz would be a would He'd be, be a, a really funny ben. Jack. Uh, so, or Jack, sorry, not yeah. Ben. <laughs> So, Dan, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to do on our next episode of the show? So, on our next episode, we're going to do we're going to do a movie that's celebrating its twentieth anniversary later this year. A and believe it or not, we're talking about a two thousand release. What women want? Yeah, why not? Yeah, we are going to kind of uh, you know hold our noses and dip our toes back into the Mel Gibson filmography. It's going to get weird. Yeah, it's going to get weird. Uh, we've got Helen Hunt and Marissa Tomei. And I'm excited. My, I, I'm, my, Alicia is going to be very excited. This is one of her favorites. And this is like some a lot of the movies we talk about, she admittedly is not familiar with. But this is one that I know she's going she's gonna to want to listen to. Yeah. The next episode is something that one woman will want. And that is your wife. At- at least one. So, but it's it's also what John and I want. So, it's on what that we're doing. Note, absolutely, John. And I bid you all a good journey. Good journey. Diabetes, 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 diabetes testing supplies.